<clears throat> hey, universe. You know, there's a whole lot of tranquility that is not achieved that we need to push through. If anything has to be expedited on this particular shipment, I'd say it's the tranquility stuff. Um, and I say this because the opposite, the frantic, nervous, wound up energy, the, um, the sense of, of friction, honestly, that gets created by letting that energy persist. Well, think of everything tranquility brings, think of the opposite. And that's how we're going to learn today. We're going to learn by thinking through opposites and how they coordinate to create these bubbles or these envelopes of, of knowledge, existence, reality, in which we then um, persist ourselves. It's what we know. It's what we do. It's how things are. This is the way things have always been. This is the way things are going to be. That kind of train of subsistence. And, and I, I, I bring these concepts to the bear because the bear's hungry and needs to be fed. Hello, Owen. No, 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 no. I bring these thoughts to the forefront of today's Nonsense Diatribe number 167, I do believe. And I'm a little behind on those daily, so don't be surprised if I start double and triple dropping on y'all. These episodes gots to get caught up today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that. But not on the 4th, because then I'll be working at Home Depot. Um, as I'm thinking about opposites, I remember, I remember my very, well, I don't know if it's my first paradigm penetration, realization of the transient nature of the bubbles that I was living in. But when I was in elementary school, first of all, the elementary school did something kind of dumb. They allowed us to pursue sequential textbook knowledge. In other words, things like math and science. There was a grade four science book. There was a grade five science book. There was a grade six science book. There was a grade four math book, grade four. There was a, a segment of elementary school that was called Push to Excel. And if you ended up in PTE, then you were given license to learn as quickly as your brain could develop the knowledge. So all you had to do to start the fourth grade math book was have completed the entire third grade math book, exercises, exams, quizzes, etc. And then you moved on to fourth grade and you did it at your pace and they would grade us accordingly for whatever level of knowledge we had been able to achieve. And so <clears throat> by the end of third grade, I had finished science and math entirely. 
there were no more textbooks to do. And I had finished my reading, my English, in second grade. And there was no more for me to do. And eventually other kids in the program caught up too. And so they started putting us in this little room with a whole bunch of comic books and let us just read comic books for a couple hours a day. And in subsequent years, they actually started taking the kids who had advanced in the textbook progression and sent them to the junior high school that was just across the park. We could see it from the windows. And, uh, and honestly, they wouldn't let you go over there until you were in fifth grade. Just size-wise, you were too small. And uh, so I'm not sure how much that even would have helped. And at some point, they disbanded the whole idea of that. Go as far as you can go as quickly as you can. And in some ways, I blame that carrot stick, whatever incentivized program, for the, the pace at which I will dive into subject matter. I know that I am less deliberate than I need to be. I know that my rhythm, my pace of stride is faster than the world at large. But you turned me loose, said, go as fast as you can, whatever you're comfortable with. And then you had nothing to offer but comic books. And that's fine. You know, shit, fourth grade, go to a room, read comic books for two hours a day. It's not the worst sentence you can receive. But imagine if you had fulfilled your promise. Imagine if I could have gone as fast as I wanted to. Imagine if I'd been learning calculus in fourth grade. I mean, my dad was teaching me calculus when I was a kid. He thought the concept was the kind of concept that was easier learned before you got muddled with geometry and trigonometry and algebra. And ironically, the worst grade I got in high school, the only subpar, in other words, below C grade I ever got was my first six-week mark in calculus. I got a D because I'd failed the first test. <laughs> and I thought I understood calculus intuitively, so understanding that I had to learn it, that was really one of the first intellectual hurdles I crossed. Fortunately, our grades in high school didn't count except semester grades, so that mark never lives anywhere except in my memory, but it's, it's a real failure. I failed that test thoroughly. I had all the wrong answers because I had not learned calculus like you learn algebra, as if it's knowledge you already have, you just have to remember it. Well, when the... Teachers would feel guilty about how there was nothing for some of us smartest kids who had earned 
our opportunity to be challenged at a higher level. Well, there was no more challenge to be had. They'd wander into those little rooms where I was reading comic books and give me these insightful nuggets that were, well, obviously not very memorable since I only remember one. But I do remember Mrs. Horvat coming in and asking me if I was ready to learn math in ways that were impossible. And as a precocious fourth grader reading crappy Archie comic books, hell yeah. What do you mean impossible? This, you're, you're wetting my appetite in a way that even I didn't know was possible. So she said to prepare myself to learn how to make a straight line curve and how to count to 10 in 11s. And I was, I remember even thinking through the possibility of what the hell counting to 10s and 11s would mean. And of course, the idea that a straight line could be made curved, well, that was flat out silly. She was talking nonsense. We already knew that that was impossible. I'd already learned that. Let's move on. Stop being weird. Come on, Mrs. Horvat. You got better than that? Let's do that counting to 11s and 10s or 10s to 11s. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. So, and I wasn't the only, she, she had a little mini class of us. There were five or six of us that were introduced to base 11 mathematics and base three, base four, base five. In fact, basic O's and ones was the class that she was going to teach next year for the first time ever. We were going to have computer modules that were teaching basic and the little class of us that were in that room at that time, I'm sure we're all in that computer module class in sixth grade together. Learning basic programming, and I do mean basic, but the idea that math lived in realms outside of 10 base counting systems? Well, when I think back about the first poke in my paradigm bubbles, this one was huge. This meant that entire potential calculable outcomes of communicable, determinable results were living in realms that were just outside my current knowledge. This was something I could so totally understand it made it it was like i've always been terrible at learning foreign languages but numbers it's it's like they they fall into columns and and logical sequences it's easier to see the integration of numerical principle for me than it is to translate thought into language of another dialect that limits me in how I can think. It's like numbers open up thought possibility, foreign language constricts it. So seeing my number universe explode into possibilities I didn't even know exist, it was, it was maybe the first true blown away moment 
I had in my education. I was blown away at the knowledge I had gained that day. It was what, to me, it, 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 at the age of 9, 10, whatever I was, it was my first philosophical sense of existence. That entire realms of possibility and true reality were out there to be discovered or to be integrated within or I don't know it just it was it was it was fascinating it was it was what today having to face thoughts like reincarnation and what that means well i go back to that day when mrs horvat prom or miss horvat can't remember now i think it was miss when the 6th grade math teacher who in my little fourth grade mind was the smartest teacher in all of our school when she showed me that math could break out of the base 10 system in which I thought it resided into all these other worlds of potential. Well, my world opened up and it's never closed. Those potential realities that, exist in concert with the reality that we ingest they're everywhere it's not just numbers it's not just language it's thought it's consciousness it's everything from the first quantum existence of a hydrogen atom to the potential reality that it is to emerge in this space-time continuum as a human being. To the levels of consciousness that exist above and above and beyond anything we perceive with the equipment we're currently running in this simulation. All of these experiences are real. None of this is intangible participatory in some sort of removed capacity. No, base 11 math was there the whole time. The reality of it exists right now. I'm just not intertwined with that numerical system. But it doesn't go away because I don't look at it. I don't utilize it. I don't participate. And the levels of consciousness, which we are firmly entrenched right in the middle between that hydrogen atom and the ethereal knowledge of universal ascension, well, it is a conundrum that for so long I dipped into the pool of nihilistic belief that 
we are seduced into with every turn of our head in every direction we look and every piece of information we swallow. We are trained to think we are not worthy, we are not up to the task, and we are lucky to have what we have because it is likely that things are going to get worse. And it's our fault. So shut up about it. That, I'm embarrassed to say, was one of the easiest internal dialogues for me to listen to. In fact, I have a hard time now denying its reality. Even though it is nothing but trained to think. And none of it is real. Every one of us is the divine realization of conscious existence in the human form, in this version of Earth. Simulated or not, this is the most glorious existence I've ever known and will ever know. I am capable of anything, everything, and nothing. And it's all on me. And sometimes I think when they put us in that little bubble of comfort, they do it because the existential dread that comes with thinking that you literally have the power of gods in a reality that is yours to manipulate? Well, yeah, I mean, they might run amok if they kind of take that one and go with it. <sighs> yeah, run amok indeed. <sighs> or they might just fall into the loving embrace that it is to be a human being on planet Earth, manifesting with other souls in pursuit of what is a glorious life. We're not trained to run amok. Ah, I take that back. We are trained to run amok. We don't do it naturally. What we do naturally is we sing songs, we have bake sales, we braid our hair, we run through the woods, and we play hide-and-seek. Because seeking is always better than hiding. We are truly the universe's greatest gift, is the human soul. It is the most pure, precious expression of life that's known. Conscious life. So, if it's allowed to flourish, well, things like Gardens of Eden get created. But if controlled, if limited, if put in place, the idea that your nature is problematic, your existence is happenstance, and your outcome is better than you deserve, well, it's... It's easy to fool us humans. I'll give you that. Because we want to believe in the best in everything. So we will always think you are doing what is in our best interest when you tell us to do things this way. We will always come to the realization that this must be the truth because these people who 
tell us they speak truth are speaking it. We are not cut from a cloth that says, but wait a second, are they running one past us? Well, we may not be cut from that cloth, but we're, we're not incapable of learning, you know. We do, we do pick some shit up along the way. You fuck with us enough, we start to think, are we being fucked with right now? Well, Mrs. Horvat also... Ms.? Sorry, Ms. Horvat. Was it Mrs.? I don't know. The woman that told me she would teach me how to make straight lines curve. Well, that one... That one wasn't nearly as paradigm-shattering when she basically had me mark out every eighth of an inch from zero to six inches on a XY vertical horizontal axis connecting every one to one, two to two, three to three, until I had a spirograph of, okay, that's not all that interesting. But that counting to 10 and 11s thing, well, I guess in some ways, that alone was worth all the Archie comic books, all the wasted time, when you had nothing else to give us but more of the same. I, I, I learned to eat it up. Give me some more of this. This feels good. I already think this way, so tell me it's the right way to think. Yeah. All right. Team John. It's like you had taught me that I was capable of anything and then showed me a room that limited everything. I fell for it entirely. In fact, I pumped the narrative to everybody I knew. I was the example that proved we are clay waiting to be molded by those who will direct us in ways that feel comfortable enough that we don't question why can't it be better. Well, yeah, that period of time is over for all of us. Thankfully, the disruptions that come with the changing of this train of thought are literally what future textbooks will illustrate as the before they knew what they were talking about time, and then the Enlightenment. No more lies, no more misspoken truths, no more misleading us for our own good. We are our own good. Every single one of us embraces that which is good when we are who we are. Anything else is just delaying outcomes for others' interests. That part used to consume me. 
I don't even care why it is that way. Because we don't have to play that game in that fashion anymore. Go out. Be who you are. Be that person to everybody you run into. The human experience isn't one of isolation. It's one of embrace. Anymore, this pursuit of global (sighs) schadenfreude, listen to who you are. You know truth. It reveals itself as you're ready. Start to understand from within what it is that this world offers you to experience your emergence as the being you're put here to be. I am kind. I am forgiving. I am understanding. I am willing to accept all of you in the embrace that it is to ascend as a human race emerging in our full potential. Nothing else Nothing else is acceptable. I've spent the last 13 days quiet because I need to know I'm right. This is truth. This is as important a moment for us to look within as we've ever experienced. As I move forward now, I am ready to say everything will be better. Everything can change. And everything that exists now. I am so sorry for letting you down. This is the end. From here forward, I promise. It won't all be my fault. It will be our doing. We will come through this. We will emerge. We will survive. And for every one of you that comes in the same journey I'm going to take, I promise nothing but my kindness, my understanding, and my forgiveness for everything that we must endure. (sighs) All right, that one's for me. No one else needs to listen to that one. But I do. So that's why we'll make it the Crazy Eight. Eighth episode? Eighth episode. All right, I'm way behind. More of these coming, I promise. You watch. More than you want.